Thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Francis Richards. Our next guest is an innovative thinker. He enjoys Asian dance, math, and baking bread. As the co-founder of Clever FM and Alumni FM, welcome Sean Lee. Thanks for having me, Dr. Richards. I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you'd like them to know about you and your business? Yeah, absolutely. I am a serial entrepreneur. Um, I tell people I became an entrepreneur partially because of a passion for solving problems. But also, I think from a timing perspective, I graduated twice into a downturn, an economic downturn. The first time was around, you know, 07, 08 for my uh, undergraduate degree, for my bachelor's. And then the second time was for my MBA. Um, and so both of these, you know, serendipitous kind of timings just created this opportunity to uh, build a new business. Uh, you know, typically when there's an economic, economic downturn, businesses are shutting down or closing. Um, and it's typically... You know, there's there's kind of it's ripe for disruption or new opportunities to arise. So that's kind of um, a quick glance at my background, uh, my entrepreneurial experiences. Speaking of the downturn, why don't you talk about the great resignation and entrepreneurial? Yeah, I think, you know, the great resignation has partly to do with just a um, you know, part of that is, is, is a generational thing. Um, you know, people that were looking to retire, um, I think just had like a, an opportunity to just, just, to just retire, um, while the stock market was good. That's, that's partially my perspective on that. But I, I think for the non-retirees for, you know, people of my generation, I think they were just seeing it as an opportunity to reset, to find something new. Um, and I think it is, it is a, you know, it, it's a great, great opportunity to just really kind of check where you're going, where the world is going so that, you know, you're not just caught up in um, a career or a career path that you decided, you know, 10, 20 years ago, uh, just because you'd studied, I don't know, finance um, and that you are really evaluating, you know, kind of how has the world changed? How is it changing? Uh, what things should you be looking at? What new skills should you be learning so that you can adapt to kind of the new world order? Um, especially now that we're coming out of the, the pandemic, a lot of things are, are changing, right? Um, you know, a lot of things have changed and, uh, you know, we're kind of facing uh, a, a new world right now with everything going on in the world. What problem exists in the world today that you would like to solve? Well, first and foremost, the problem that I'm tackling right now is around the podcasting space. Um, I have the strong belief that podcasting has been bottlenecked or held back by kind of uh, the lack of technological innovations in this space. You know, when you think about podcasts, um, a lot of audio, you listen to podcasts today, not too different from listening to audio, right? It's, it's a very linear experience. You, you can only really hit play. Um, and that's about it. When they mention something interesting, you have to go Google search it yourself. Um, when they, you know, ask you a question, right? You have to go find a link. You have to go to their website and 
you know, find their, their questionnaire or their poll and then go take it there. If they mention a book, you have to go find it on Amazon. I mean, just it just goes on and on. And it's, it's a very, you know, it doesn't have to be a linear experience. You're listening to podcasts, um, even this, right? Call in, right? You're listening on a smartphone. <laughs> There's no reason, you know, um, things that we're talking about right now that we're mentioning can't be uh, referenced to or easily accessible, right? That we can't just have a pop-up link as we are speaking that, you know, shares, let's say my company, clever.fm or alumni.fm, where you can just click through and go check it out as you're listening to the show, right? And have a really live um, and interactive experience, right? Obviously podcasts are not live, but you can still have an interactive experience, even more so because, you know, it's not live. And so you don't have to, transcribe that that show live uh, you can actually put in those links after the fact but all these things there you know everything i'm talking about you know if, if you hear it right now it just sounds very obvious it's not it's not some you know technological breakthrough um, we're not curing cancer here this is just we're kind of just really thinking about you know all the things that are uh, a big challenge in the podcasting space and how nobody's really doing anything about it um, and it's really frustrating, I think, because for especially podcast creators or, you know, audio creators like ourselves, it's it's just a really frustrating experience because it's really hard for us to build our audience, you know, build community and ultimately be able to make a living um, doing this. And so these are all the problems. Sorry for you know <laughs> going on a diatribe here, but these are all all the problems that sum up to kind of this main issue in podcasting, which is it's it's extremely difficult to succeed um, as a podcast host. And Sean, you and I have had like offline conversations about that. And that's been one of my um, problems that I've wanted to solve in reference to even the the data and, and getting great matrix um, around the whole podcasting space. And so when we have this conversation a year from now, or it could even be six months from now, as fast as technology is advancing, hopefully we'll have some answers to um, our problems. And I know that you're solving those both, um, solving your problems. Talk about your companies and what specifically differentiate you regarding your yeah, so kind of the first company I started um, out of graduate school was a company called Alumni.fm. It was a company, I call it an accidental company, uh, because I never intended to start a podcast uh, pr production company um, going into my, you know, my MBA, my business school experience. Um, let me take a step back there. I actually started, so I, I started podcasting when I was doing my MBA, you know, uh, when I was doing my MBA at Berkeley, Berkeley didn't have a podcast. And um, funny enough, when I was applying to the school, I was looking for a podcast to listen to to get some perspectives around, you know, the students, the community, the faculty and whatnot. And they didn't have one. And so once I got into campus, I thought, you know, why not start one myself, right? Uh, how hard could it be? Um, and, and the reality was it actually wasn't that hard to start a podcast. Uh, the most difficult thing was actually trying to, Again, like I, you know, shared, build an audience, and and so I started 
just uh, podcasting and as a side passion project. And as kind of time went by, um, the university caught on to the podcast and they asked me to do an alumni podcast. And I thought, you know, it's a great opportunity to help broaden the community um, and, and build a platform for the alumni community to, you know, um, connect via stories, we call it, um, you know, connecting through stories. That's, that's kind of our mission um, for, for, for all the podcasts that I do. And so when I was looking at that, that's kind of how I stumbled upon the fact that 99.9% of universities in higher education don't have a podcast uh, dedicated to alumni. And that's why I started alumni.fm was, you know, to offer kind of the, the production services that we had built up for Berkeley Haas and, uh, and offer it to other universities. Now, along the way, that's where I also discovered that there's a huge technological, um, you know, issue in podcasting to your point, right? We don't really get to interact with our audience easily. There's no way to know what our audience um, liked or didn't like about our episode. And that's really kind of the, the, the core issue. And that's what ultimately led to me uh, co-founding Clever.fm, which is a podcast app that allows you to interact with podcasts um, to address all the problems that I mentioned earlier about podcasting. Fill in the blank. Thank you, pandemic, because. Thank you, pandemic, because. That's a great question. Thank you, pandemic, because it's really, I think it really um, encouraged people to want to connect with one another in new and different ways. Um, to really go seek out that human connection to seek out um you know stories uh to to i feel like it's it's pushed me at least to want to discover new things right and create that space and that time to discover new things what is something that we don't know about being a serial entrepreneur that we should know Oh, that's a great question too. Um, one thing that most people might not know is that it's quite easy being a serial entrepreneur because um, it, it's all about perspective, right? How you look at the world. Uh, the reality is the world is full of problems uh, to solve. Um, and every time you solve a problem, it creates a new problem, right? Um, that's just kind of how the world works. And so in reality, the world, you know, will never run out of problems for you to solve. And that's kind of the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that you will never run out of things to do. Let's talk about um, repositioning. And tell us a story around a painful business moment and how did you reposition? Hmm. Wow. Well, where, where do I start? How much, how much time do we have? We have all night, Sean. <laughs> so, that's, uh, I have so many of these stories. Uh, let's see. Well, the most recent one is around kind of expectations. I, I think very often 
um, it comes down to when I need to reposition something, it's because I have the wrong perspective or the wrong expectations for myself and for others. Um, so let's just take my, you know, current role as a CEO of Clever. You know, my expectation is that I should have all the answers, right? Or I should know how to approach customer acquisition, right? I should have all the um, strategies, you know, plans figured out. And the reality is, is I don't. And I really had to kind of reposition my perspective um, and kind of overcome my own ego, right? That as a CEO, you should know it all. Um, and, uh, and go create the space right, and the time and give myself the grace to go seek uh, the answers or go to ask my team members, right? Um, and, and I say that not because, you know, I lack humility, but it's sometimes be, it's because um, kind of the mental state as a CEO, you feel very alone. Um, and, you know, especially running your company, you know, in, in the, especially in the COVID age and the remote kind of working age, um, you are quite isolated, right? Everyone's remotely distributed. There's no office to go to. You're kind of just sitting at your desk by yourself. And so it, it just further creates this idea that you are in an ivory tower, right? And there's nobody to help you. Um, but the reality is there's plenty of people out there to help you. You just have to go reach out to people and, and ask some questions and, um, and, uh, and just having that, have that willingness, that openness to, to seek help. Now, the next step that I realized once you have the willingness to seek help is, um, figuring out the right questions to ask, right? That's actually half the battle, uh, is like, what question should I ask? I mean, sometimes I go to mentors just not knowing what, what is the question? Like, where do I need help? Uh, you can barely kind of get the words out of your mouth as to where you need help. And so that's, that's something that I continuously work through in terms of repositioning my mindset around um, getting help. Sean, speaking of getting help, what is the question from you? Um, I think the biggest question for me is, 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 is when <laughs> that's, that's always the, the big challenge. Um, because you don't want to prematurely, um, you know, um, ask for help. And what I mean by that is, you know, having not thought through or done your own research, right? But then you don't want to also wait too long and, and uh, overthink something without trying to get outside perspective. I think that is, that's really the biggest struggle as an entrepreneur is knowing when to do things, when to seek help, right? When to, um, when, when to just try to think things through yourself um, before you go seek help, right? And so that's 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 the biggest question I always have. Um, and I'm still struggling with that. <laughs> or what is, what is the best decision you've made as a leader? 
Oh, that's, that's easy. I think the best decision is just to treat people right. Um, you know, you treat people, treat your team, right? Treat everybody you work with, with respect. Uh, because that's, that's what you would want yourself, right? Um, and when I say treat people right, I, I mean beyond respect. And, and, and when I say respect too, I mean beyond just, you know, I, I respect you and, and I trust you. It's more so I respect um, your thoughts, your opinions. I respect your aspirations, right? I want to help you um, reach your goals. When I hire people, I always ask them, you know, what are your aspirations? Like, where, where, where do you want to be? Right. How can I help you get there? Right. Uh, whether or not that's, you know, with my company is, is irrelevant. It's, you know, if you have a, a heart towards helping people grow, um, I just think it's it's just, they're going to help you grow. It's, it's, it's going to reciprocate it. But above all, it's, it's just the right thing to do. Um, and I think you're going to get the best results when you focus on how to help uh, people grow. So that's probably the best decision I've ever made. You know, to, to further elaborate on that, by the way, I got to have to give some specific examples. Like if any of my team members wants to take an online course, I'll pay for it. If they want to buy a book, I'll pay for it. Right. If there's any way um, they, they, they would like to grow, I will support them in that endeavor. Uh, sometimes we'll even make time for it. I've had, you know, employees before struggle um, with finding time. Right. Because you know, maybe they lack the motivation. They want to do something, but they lack the motivation or the right kind of um, incentives. And so sometimes, you know, if it's something that's really important that I think will help kind of take them to the next level or push them along a little bit, I've even offered to, you know, pay employees to come an hour earlier uh, just to, to do the course or to, you know, read a book, uh, <laughs> just to do it on, on company time. Um and I really think investing in your team is is one of the most important things. Um, one of the best decisions I ever made. It's just in the, when I say investor in team, like I said, going beyond just investing in resources, but actually investing time. You know, paying them to to learn. <laughs> I think a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners are not willing to. Uh, they feel like, oh, well, if you want to learn, go learn on your dime, right? Go learn on your time, not on my dime, right? And I think that's that's wrong because as a leader, as a manager, you should absolutely, you know, um, pay because then it really shows that you support them, right? Beyond just resources, you support them that this is a culture, this is a workspace that you're willing to spend money for them to learn. Um, and that I don't think there's there's a stronger signal to show that you care than that. Uh, and it, again, in my 12 years of entrepreneurship now, it's, it's paid dividends. Um, and, and, and the biggest reason is that, you know, people, people appreciate that. They'll remember you for that. Right. And even if they uh, outgrow your company and they want to leave, we always, it always happens in a very respectful way. Uh, and I support them, right? I will be their reference um, because, you know, there are times where they're basically the employee has grown so fast. There's nothing more my company could offer them in terms of advancement or growth fast enough. For example, my company hasn't grown fast enough where I can hire them, you know, bring them on as a high level executive. Um, I'm not going to try to hold them back, right? 
I, I really want to help people grow to a place where, you know, if we can't work together today, um, I trust that we will cross paths again and, you know, collaborate or become business partners on something else. So I always, uh, I think that's the best decision I've ever made as an entrepreneur is I always invest in people. That is wonderful. And we just want to thank our listeners. And if anyone has a um, question for Sean, feel free to let us know. So Sean, who inspired you to grow? That's a great question. Um, I think my parents, they're both educators. And so they've always, you know, had this insatiable curiosity um, for, for knowledge. Um, and so, you know, from a very young age, I was encouraged to read books. And, and I think there's definitely some books that have influenced me along with, you know, countless other people like Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Dale Carnegie, <laughs> How to Win Friends and Influence People. Even his his other book that I actually it was actually my favorite books, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Um, I think that book actually, I actually have a first edition. My wife bought me a first edition of that book. Um, how to stop worrying and start living, right? That's that's like, you know, how what does it mean to live? Right, to live is to grow. Um, the moment you stop growing is kind of the stop. The, the moment you start you stop living. Um, <laughs> so. That's, that's, that's probably, probably all my inspiration. So what are you reading now? And Oof. Yeah. Um, three books. Um, so there's one book by Ben Horowitz of injuries and Horowitz called, uh, the hard thing about hard things. It's not a crowd favorite because this book after, as I'm kind of reading through it a second time now, it's, um, it's a book for CEOs very specifically for CEOs. The CEO job is a very unique job. It's uh, it's so unique that, you know, when I was starting Clever with my co-founder, you know, he's our CTO. Um, I've honestly never come across anybody who wanted to fight for the job of the CEO. Because <laughs> it, uh, it is a very... Um, it's a very interesting job, I would say, because you you kind of are forced to wear a lot of hats. And anyway, this this book encapsulates just kind of the the role the, the role of the CEO really well. Uh, it's called the hard thing about hard things. Um, and then another book I'm reading is also from another partner of uh, Dries and Horowitz. It's a book called The Cold Start Problem by Andrew Chen. It's um, the Cold Start Problem describes you know how do you know tech companies um, kind of get get off the ground, right? How did Reddit get off the ground? How did Wikipedia get started when you don't have Wikipedia contributors, right? How, how do you like kickstart these problems? How do you start Uber as a company, right? When you don't have uh, drivers or riders, like do you get drivers first, right? And then you try to get riders because if you don't have, if you have drivers, if you don't have enough riders then nothing happens, right? If you have riders, but not enough drivers then also nothing happens. And so this is called the cold start problem. Um, how do you overcome this cold start problem? This is a problem that we're actually dealing with with uh, Clever FM because you know we have podcast hosts on one end, we have fans and listeners on the other, um, and we differentiate fans between super fans and 
kind of like your average listeners. Um, how do you kickstart atomic networks within these communities and help build community around, you know, podcasts, basically? Um, so that's the second book I'm reading. And the third book that I just finished is uh, this book I also read thrice now, actually. It's called uh, Loving What Is by Byron Katie. It's a very um, powerful book, to say the least. Uh, I've read a lot of philosophy you know, um, a lot of books on stoicism and those books are all great, right. From a knowledge perspective. But what I find sometimes is, um, is that it's hard to kind of put into daily practice because the kind of the language and everything they, they talk about is, <laughs> is, you know, centuries old, but loving what is, is just a very straightforward book about how to be present with, you know, four basic questions. Um, and, um, and it's just, it's just, it helps me get through kind of every little hurdle, every little annoyance or, um, you know, issue in my life, actually, after, after I read it. Um, and it's, it's a daily practice, obviously, but the four questions are, are really basic. One is, um, let's say, um, you know, let's say, you know, my wife came home from work today and she had a really bad day, right? And um, the first question, and it's annoying for me, right? Because I'm just like, you know, why are you bring work home, right? Why are you bring that, this nasty kind of attitude? Why are you bring your work home, right? And the first question you ask yourself is, is it true? Is it true that she's trying to bring her work home? And you're like, yeah, you know what? It feels like it's true. Um, feels like she's like being intentional about bringing her work home. And then the second question, if you can't get past the first true or false question is, uh, is can you know with absolute certainty, 100% certainty that it's true? And the all, answer is always like, no, there's no way I can know that she intentionally did this, right? She's intentionally doing this um, because I, I can't get inside her head. Like there's no way for me to confirm this. And so that usually breaks the cycle of just this, this pain point, this issue, kind of this internal conflict that you're feeling. Um, and then um, the third question is around, like, how would you feel if you didn't have this thought, right? And then the fourth question is, um, is you know, who would you be without this thought? And then they do these turnarounds. Usually, like, I don't even get this far because the first question is just like, no, it's not true. She, she didn't stop doing this intentionally and then just breaks that mental cycle that, you know, she's trying to ruin my day basically. Right. Uh, but the turnarounds are sometimes the most powerful because you turn around you're like, is it true that I bring my work home? And you're like, Oh, actually, yeah, I do. Right. And then, and then typically uh, when I'm really annoyed by somebody else, it's really because I'm annoyed about myself. Right. Maybe I had a, a rough day and I had a bad day and I'm in I'm in a bad mood. Right. And so I'm trying to put on her like, why are you, you know, bring this this, you know, bad mood home? Well, it's like really I'm the one that has a bad mood, because in reality, if you think about it, if I was in a great mood. Right. And she came home in a, in a nasty mood. How would I react? I probably would try to diffuse it. Right. I would try to distract her or just like make her happy or laugh and just like we'd be on our way. Right. But it's because I'm actually also bringing home this like bad mood like i'm not checking myself that um that i'm just doubling down on the issue <laughs> right i'm just making something you know bad 
and turning it into something even worse. Um, and so, yeah, Loving What Is by Byron Katie, one of my all-time favorite books. Wow, Sean, that was really, really a, um, a value bomb there. And I wrote down those four questions and why it was so profound. Um, I'm just doing a interflection, not even a reflection, an interflection as a as the primary caregiver to my husband, who is dealing with some really um, major health challenges. And so I'm going to definitely get that book. So thank you for that. Very cool. Yeah, I, I highly recommend the audio version uh, okay. because she they do live recordings. Um, well, they have live recordings of sessions with people. Um, and there's two versions of it. There is like a older version, which is a version I recommend. It has uh, an audible, has like a red text to it, to the title. Okay. Um, that's the version I recommend because there's a there's kind of an updated version. I feel like isn't it's the updated version. I think has actors, <laughs> but, you know, kind of playing out the script, and it's it's nowhere near as uh, real and raw as you know the people actually going through and, and question you know going through what she calls inquiry, basically the work uh, answering these four questions. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Again, want to give a shout out to the audience for joining us. And if anyone um, has a question for Sean Lee, feel free to um, let us know. So Sean, advice you wish you had. Hmm. <laughs> ah, that's an interesting question. Um. I feel like I follow all the advice that I get. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I have one. Um, I, I feel like I should correct myself. I feel like I follow most of the advice that I get, uh, but I can't follow everything that everyone tells me, obviously. So there's one bit of advice as a startup entrepreneur, um, as a startup CEO, is that people tell you to always, um, you know, get ahead of hiring. Because by the time you realize you need to hire somebody, it's already too late. Right? And by too late, it just means you're already underwater, basically. Like you needed this person, you know, a month ago. Um, and so that's something that I didn't really take to heart um, for myself. And I say that because uh, being a tech CEO, you know, having a co-founder, we, and by we, I mean, even me, I highly prioritize high, hiring for the dev team, uh, the development team. Um, so for my co-founder, who's a CTO, you know, before I even hired one person for me, we, we hired like five engineers, right? And that was, you know, a big mistake on my part. Um, and that I thought I could take on investor relations, right? For fundraising, um, I could take on, um, um, we're going through this, this Techstars, uh, accelerator program, all the kind of the mentor, um, relations uh and then that's just the back end you know on the front end you know the the business development in terms to in terms of our you know, podcast host developments customer development in terms of listener developments um and then the strategic partnerships right in terms of looking at partnerships talking to amazon spotify apple right um acast like all these players in the podcasting space and building strategic partnerships with them um, yeah. 
yeah, it, it didn't work. <laughs> like, like I, I really, you know, I was fine kind of doing most of it, but I think where things started falling apart that I should have you know, thought ahead and hired for was uh, community development, customer success, uh, because I was, you know, heavily focused on top of funnel sales, acquiring podcast hosts, you know, acquiring new listeners, but we had a very leaky bucket in the back because nobody was kind of there to maintain that relationship, to support that podcast host. Let's say you, Dr. Richards, right? For your podcast, um, you know, luckily now we've built a, a, an infrastructure, a team around supporting your podcast, right? Getting all those smart notes in there, getting the tags in there. If any of your um, listeners engage in discussion, we will engage with them. But before, you know, for the past three months, uh, kind of before we had this community manager sign on, there was none of that. And so, you know, we would get new users into the app and they would kind of just fall out the other end. <laughs> so definitely hiring, <laughs> getting ahead of hiring. And so how do you hire in this kind of um, environment that we're in? Oh, you know what? That's people have a lot. You know, what's surprising. A lot of people ask me that I actually have not had any issues hiring. Um, and I don't know why it is. I think part of it's because we are an early, you know, stage startup. Um, and we're not trying to hire for, you know, C-level executives. And so maybe that's why it's been, uh, like, I haven't encountered that issue. I mean, when, when we put out this community development manager and director of community positions, we had over 200 applications each for each position. Um, and I, I don't even think our, you know, our, our pay was, you know, or, or even equity offering was that lucrative, um, you know, in, in my opinion. Uh, but we had a lot of you know, very qualified candidates apply. And, um, and yeah, in terms of the pool, definitely didn't have an issue, any issues with kind of the applicant pool. Um, and, um, in terms of overseas, I mean, a lot of our team members, because again, we, we, uh, you know, we're pre-seed company, so we raised a little over half a million dollars. Um, and so in terms from a budgetary standpoint, we, we've been hiring a lot overseas. Uh, kind of this community development role was kind of our first U.S. hire. Um, all like 16, 17 of our other team members are, are all overseas. So that's another way we've been trying to uh, find talent and hiring is, um, you know, go overseas. So we have, you know, backend developers in South America in Colombia and, um, Brazil, front end developers in India, um, you know, virtual assistant teams in the Philippines, um, designers just you know, in, in Europe and, and, uh, even data, data engineers in Europe. But, um, we just kind of had this mentality that like, we're going to try to find the best talent wherever they are and try to pay a premium for them. Um, and that's kind of how we've been going about it. And we've been finding really good people. Oh, you know what? Sorry. I, I think there's one thing that we're doing, right? It's that we're looking for people that have a growth mindset. I think that's that's probably really hard to find. 
uh, not hard, but that's that's kind of the the challenge always when I'm recruiting is trying to find people that are not, you know, just trying to clock in and clock out. So um, it seems like, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of people that are that have this desire to learn and grow, and it's just up to us as leaders to kind of foster that uh, and really cre- open that. Like going back to what we were saying earlier, right? Um, sharing that that we are a company where we're a culture where we want people to grow and i think uh, just kind of putting that out there really attracts the right people i think you might be on mute Dr. Thank, you Thank you so much. You talked <laughs> about your company culture around growth and you want people to grow. Talk about your company story. Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of the company story, you know, stems from uh, even our culture stems from kind of my time at um, during my MBA at Berkeley. And, you know, Berkeley Haas is a business school is quite known for its four defining leadership principles. Um, they are, you know, question the status quo, uh, beyond yourself, confidence without attitude, and student always. Um, and I think that's honestly what attracted me to Berkeley was was student always. Uh, you know, that that's probably the one thing that attracted me the most. And then, of course, all the other defining leadership principles. And um, that's really kind of the culture we want to instill in our company as well, um, all these things. Um, and so when we started the company, my co-founder and I, you know, for my co-founder especially, he was staunchly focused on culture. It's actually, I think, one of the top three reasons why he wanted to be a startup founder is because he wanted to build a company where he can, you know, really build and nurture uh, the right culture. Um, and that's something I really appreciate him for. And so, you know, kind of from day one, this is where, especially being, a, again, being a tech company on the West Coast, it's it's a big challenge, um, you know, trying to hire um, or build a company that's inclusive and diverse, right, um, in more ways than one. And you know, from an engineering standpoint, for example, like, you know, how many female engineers, right, um, are in the kind of employment pool. And that's still something that we struggle with, right? In terms of like advisors, we've been quite intentional about how we build out our advisors. I mean, in the beginning, it was quite stacked with a bunch of dudes, right? Uh, and we're like, you know, we, we need um, a diversity of advisors. And we had some really amazing potential advisors that really want to get in on our cap table. But unfortunately, it's just, you know, we, 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 um, we can't just take the easy route. Um, and that's, I think that is the core essence of our business is that we can't, you know, and building this company, right. We, there, there's so many shortcuts that we can take. Um, but, you know, we're not here to try to do the easy things. And it's funny um, because a lot of people from the investors that we talk to or like a lot of the mentors that we meet through the Techstars program, they're like, what you guys are doing are not, you know, it's not easy. 
And I, and I, especially, I especially laugh when an investor tells me that, right? Like, man, you are, you are really climbing a, a tough, you know, hill. Like you're, you have a huge battle ahead of you. I'm just thinking in my head, like, you know, what do you invest in? Do you invest in like easy solutions, <laughs> right? It's, 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 you know, like real investors, they invest in what they call BHAGs, right? Um, the, the acronym BHAG, B-H-A-G, big, hairy, audacious goals. And I'm like, that's really the only kind of things that we want to tackle. Um, and so kind of in summary, I hope that kind of shares the essence of our company. Um, you know, having a growth mindset and obviously just um, try to do things that are not easy. And how do you do the hard things? How do you eat? Yeah, you. How do you eat the frog? You, I guess you just take it one bite at a time. Um, any kind of procrastination is rooted in an emotional kind of, um, you know, turn a, uh, a molehill into a mountain, right? Um, and uh, I took this class, funny enough, on productivity. Uh, my last semester at Berkeley, it was kind of going into the pandemic. And uh, it's called being, you know, becoming superhuman. And um, my big, biggest takeaway from that class about how to eat frogs is if you can't eat the frog, that just means um, you haven't chopped it down into smaller pieces. <laughs> Right. You just got to, you know, break things down to smaller, you know, if you find yourself procrastinating or you find yourself not taking on that challenge, just means you haven't um, broken it down into first principles. You haven't broken it down enough. And so try to break it down more uh, until you can find a piece that you can, you know, chew on. That is awesome. Let's take a snapshot, Sean, of the last 30 days. What was your biggest win? Hmm. Biggest win was hiring our community development manager, I'd say. That was the biggest win. Um, it took us, you know, about a month to, to find, source, recruit this person. And once she came on, uh, she just hit the ground, ground running. You know, we hired the right person when, and I knew we hired the right person when, you know, she's in New York. Um, I'm in on the West Coast, and so she's three hours ahead of me. So she starts at 6 a.m. And by the time I log on at 7, you know, my time. Uh, it's already 10 a.m. her time. And um, within that hour, she's already, you know, tackled a bunch of things that I didn't tell her to do <laughs> because she had the foresight to to try to figure it out, right? That's that's when you know um, you have the right person, someone who takes initiative. Sean, what are you doing right now that is impacting people's lives? I would say, you know, through Alumni FM, we are creating a platform, a network of alumni podcasts uh, and a production service that helps um, share people's stories. Um, you know, we, we go to, we pay all this money, go to all these amazing schools, right? We go to all these universities and, and, uh, and they tout this amazing alumni network. And the reality is like, how do you access it? Right. It's 2022 and they're still sending magazines and newsletters and, and, and you know, asking you to access a janky uh, directory. Uh, and, and you're just like, why would I do this when I have LinkedIn? Um, and then when you go on LinkedIn, right, it just feels so cold and personal. You have all these cold outreaches and you just read their, um, 
their resumes or whatnots on LinkedIn. And it's just, it doesn't tell you anything about this person. Um, and so what I personally think um, that we're doing that's impactful is we are um, sharing people's um, stories uh, to alumni and helping alumni connect through stories. Um, and just a basic example is that, you know, even in a magazine feature, right? When alumni magazine features you, it's about a thousand words for a full page feature. You know, when we do these podcast interviews um, that we produce for, for universities, it's, it's a 20, 25, 30 minute interview. It's, it's well over 10,000 words. Um, you basically get 10 times more depth and color into who this person is, what they care about. And it gives you a lot more, um, not a lot more, you know, kind of, um, I hate to say the word Intel, but it gives you a lot more info about this person to really connect on a um, meaningful level. Because you might hear about things that they're passionate about, that they care about, that they don't have on their resume. So that's that's something I'm really proud of that we're doing. Um, and on top of that, you know, we're doing it in a way where we're really promoting, um, again, you know, diversity of stories, backgrounds, um, and and just giving more people voices. And that's that's the one thing that, you know, uh, I'm from Michigan originally, and, and I live in California, obviously. Uh, that's the one thing that I, f- I feel like this country is um, there's this world is is lacking um is stories right is perspective you know when the past decade has been driven by this um this in my opinion this kind of disease of the attention economy where everything's delivered to you in five ten fifteen second blips right through snapchat instagram you know tiktok um i'm not saying they're like inherently bad but you know that's kind of the only way you get perspective on people um it's it's very it's very skewed right and uh, i think people are feeling that I, I do think there's a paradigm shift where people are seeking something real right um and um and i do think they'll be i think we're kind of at the at the head of that wave where people are just like, you know what? I'm tired of what's fake. And you, you see those trends, funny enough, in the past uh, five years where people are just, I don't, want to, I don't want to see any more Photoshop photos on Instagram, right? I want to see what's real. And I think the same thing will go with, with you know, stories of people. Like, I don't want to see these five-second, you know, 10-second blips of your life. Like, I want to hear who you really are. Um, so that's something that I'm really proud of that we're able to do. Um, because the more perspective we share, I think the more people will really understand each other. Because, you know, just just a personal story here. It's like, why well, I care about this? You know, uh, living in LA, uh, people are just like, especially when, when Trump won back in 20s, I forgot when, 16 or 17. Uh, people are like, you know, why are people in Michigan where you're from racist? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, it's not like people I know back there, like, you know, went to bed Tuesday night and woke up Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday morning racist, right? Or bigots. It's just like, you know, what are their pain points? You know, how did Trump appeal to them, right? Do you understand, right? Why are, you, why are we so quick to just judge and label people and outcast them as if they're not fellow Americans, right? What are their pain points? Maybe their pain points are different from yours. And, you know, when was the last time you like went to Michigan, go talk to them and try to understand their needs, right? Maybe you do more communication, um, and understanding, we can help 
guide and shape their their opinions versus just honestly just outcasting them and saying hey you know what you're you're wrong you're evil and i don't want anything to do with you and that's i don't think that's the way um to resolve things so perspective that's what we're doing giving perspective Sean, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer it. Hmm. Um, gosh, what's the uh, one question I asked myself is um, is uh, how do you how do you take a break? <laughs> How do you, how do you, and when do you take a break as a CEO? Um, and the answer to that is, uh, you have to be intentional about it. You have to give yourself the grace, um, to just take time off because nobody's going to be like, Hey, Hey, Sean, go take some time off. <laughs> and so you just have to create space for yourself. Um, yeah. And, and, and find ways to take care of yourself, you know, go to the gym, stay healthy, uh, stay active and, and create time to think. I think that's, that's the one thing that, especially as a startup CEO, sometimes, especially in the early days, the, what people like really neglect is like, you're just busy doing, 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 right. Cause you're like, we gotta, we gotta fail quick and fail often. We gotta, you know, uh, fail forward and break things. And you hear all these, you know, um, <laughs> you hear all these quotes from Silicon Valley, and you're like, "Yes, that's that's all you got to do." And it's like, no, you know, yes, you have to do that, but you have to balance that with, you know, finding time to read, to like read up on the in industry and uh, connect, you know, talk to competitors and connect the dots and, and think and strategize and do all that stuff. But you can't overdo that, right? Because then you're just stuck in in, in thinking mode. Um, but without balancing out the thinking side, then your fail quick fail often can easily just become indiscriminate action, right? You're just doing random things. Um, and that doesn't work either. So um, yeah, how do, how do I balance things? That's, that's really, I think, I, sorry, I think, let me reframe the question. The question is, how, how do you find by, how do you find balance in everything that you do? That's, um, that's a question I ask myself, and I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> Speaking of balance, talk about mental health and managing. Mm. That's a that's that's a great question. I think uh, mental health is very important. Um, it's something that we build into our culture. It's something that my co-founder and I really respect um, and give each other space around. Um, and, you know, so one of us is struggling. We, we just talk, we actually go seek out the other person and talk about it. There's no shame in it, right? You can't shame people about it. Um, you, you can't, you shouldn't tell them that they shouldn't feel that way, right? It's like people, you know, my wife taught me this, like people are going to feel what they're going to feel, right? Are <laughs> you going to tell people not to feel something? Um, and, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's something that, I think is very instilled in the two of us is that we, we, we can create the space for people to feel what they want to feel. Um, I think, I think companies sometimes are afraid that like, if we are too, you know, 
um, what's the word touchy feely, right? That it sets the wrong precedent. And I think that's also the other extreme where it's just like, you don't, you know, you kind of leave your feelings at the door and you come to work. It's like, no, like everyone's a human being, but there's definitely a delicate balance there that you have to work out. Um, and I think that delicate balance is just to encourage people to go see seek help if they really need help, right? Uh, being supportive and allowing them to take time off. Uh, they need time off. Uh, we have, you know, right now we have like a team member who's, you know, having some um, difficulties right at home, and it's like, you know what? Take as much time as you need to to figure things out. Just create a space for people. Being 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 human. Um, and then they come back, they're a much better position, much better person, much more put together and they'll do better work anyways. So, um, goes back to just what I was saying earlier about things I've done right as an entrepreneur is, you know, just treat people right. That was awesome. We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. I'm going to ask you a series of questions that I want you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the Rapid Round of Fun? Yes, ma'am. Your favorite color? It's a rainbow. Your favorite holiday? Uh, Pass. I'll have one. <laughs> Your ideal car. Uh, one that's comfortable. <laughs> Your first job. Uh, puppeteer in a mall. The last movie you saw. Oh, that's Black Panther. I don't watch that. I don't watch that much movies. <laughs> you relax doing what? Uh, hang out with my son, meditating. Your favorite singer or rapper? Hmm. Oh, this is, uh, let's see. Uh, Masego. Your favorite dance song? Oh, anything by Cascade. What food do you eat every week, no matter what? Rice. <laughs> Your favorite month? Uh, pass. Workout or hit the couch? Oh, workout. I go climbing, cycling. Yeah. Jim. Sean Lee, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, why don't you share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and do business with you and feel free to leave all your social media handle. Yeah. I think everything from social media is under Hey Mr. Lee. Um, my LinkedIn is at, is at reach Sean, R-E-A-C-H-S-E-A-N. And um, yeah, any listeners listening, feel free to email me for any questions about Clever or alumni at uh, Sean, S-E-A-N at clever.fm. Thank you, Sean. That's a wrap. And again, we want to thank our audience for joining us and we appreciate you. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Dr. Richards. That's a wrap.